Hello and welcome to the WMBC 615 podcast. This is a broadcast ministry of Whitley Memorial Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Daniel. I'm hosting on behalf of our pastor, Scott Gillen, as well as our entire church family. And it is my pleasure to say welcome to the podcast. If you're a new listener, let me encourage you to go to our Facebook page or website and just send us a message or an email. Let us know how you found us. I'll give you more info on all that later. The service you're about to hear was part of what we call our Wednesday evening prayer service. And so what I would like to do is take a few minutes and ask you, our listeners, to press pause, go make a list of friends, family, and loved ones who are either going through difficult situations, be it health, financial, mental, spiritual, or if they're lost. And why we do this is we believe in taking special time to ask God for these things in specific. So like I said, press pause, go take some time, make a list, and spend some time with God tonight in prayer. Tonight's message title is Who is Jesus? Part 3. Parts 1 and 2 are now up and available for listening at your leisure on any podcast platform of your choice. I encourage you to go back and get those. There's a lot of great information as Brother Scott's been bringing us through this really in-depth series of the truths of who Jesus was, is, and will be. So let's head on over to Brother Scott for part three. Take your Bible tonight, if you would, please, and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I, I've got to tell you that I really um, didn't expect to be speaking from Romans 10, but it it jumped right along with the series that I am speaking on about Jesus. And um, I, uh, I, um, I'm doing my daily Bible reading out of the book of Romans, and um, I'm trying to read through the book of Romans several times. I've already read through it once. I'm on my second time through, and um, I didn't realize that I'd really be going to Romans 10 tonight, uh, but it just fit. Where we, I want to read just the first three verses. I was going to read several verses here, but I want to read just the first three. And that'll get us started tonight as we look into our... And, and again, we're in our series on Jesus Christ. And, and um, I know some people are asking, why a series on Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in a little bit. But Romans chapter 10, and he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I love that. For I bear them record that they have an, a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of of God. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's pray. Father, use me to preach the Word of God. Father, you know the need of my heart. I pray that you supernaturally use this message to bring honor and glory to you, I pray that your will be done. I pray that I'd give out the truth of your word. Father, there's something I don't need to say. Help me to skip over it in my notes. I just pray I'd be a blessing tonight and a help. Father, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, I pray they get saved tonight. Father, there's a child of God that's struggling in their faith. I pray you'd build it tonight. Father, there's a Christian that wants to know more. I pray that tonight they would learn more from your word. Now, Father, I pray that you get glory. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, By way of introduction, let me just remind you, we're talking about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our third message on it. I've done it for the last three. This will be the third Wednesday night. Uh, I I know for sure, in fact, I was telling my wife, I know for sure there's going to be two more messages because um, there's a couple areas I want to look at. But some may ask, Brother Scott, why are you preaching so much on Jesus? 
Why are you doing this series on Jesus Christ? Why messages on, on him? I mean, most of us know a lot about Jesus. Well, I'm going to give you four words, and I think that will describe why I'm doing this series. And then I want you to look at the passage in Romans, and I want to show you why it's important for you and I to study Jesus and look at him. Let me give you four words, first of all. I put down the word confusion. Confusion. I've got to tell you, in our day and age, there is a lot of confusion about Jesus and who he is. Did you hear that? There is a lot of confusion. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion. So you got to sit there and think, why is there so much confusion? Well, you can sit there and think, well, is it possible the devil's at work? Yes. Or is it just some people are confused about the truth about Jesus Christ? And so, but there is confusion. I put down a second word, contradiction, contradiction. There is teaching about Jesus out there that is contradictory. You'll have one person say this, you'll have one person say this, and they contradict each other about Jesus Christ. So tonight, what you and I want to do, what we want to do, is what my aim is in this series is to get you into the Bible, the Word of God, and to show you exactly what the Bible says. That's what I want to do. Third word I want to, use, I want to give you tonight. So confusion, contradiction. Number three, contamination. Contamination. You said, Brother Scott, these are all C's. Yes, they are. I did it that way to help you under, to remember that better. Contamination. Now, if you look up the word, excuse me, if you look up the word contamination in the dictionary, you'll find out a, uh, a definition, something like this. You know, and it's when something is made impure or polluted. When something is made impure or polluted. You and I often hear of food recalls because the food has been contaminated. Have you, have you not? I know a few years ago there was a lettuce recall, and then you had a meat recall and things like that because the food had got contaminated with some disease or something. Well, can I tell you, some of the teaching that's going on about Jesus has been contaminated. Some of it's been contaminated. You say, what do you mean? Well, I believe that Satan has his workers out there. I believe that. And I believe his workers are contaminating the truth of Jesus to blind people so that they cannot receive the gospel and believe in Jesus. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 states that there are, are you hanging on? Doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. Now, let me be honest with you. If somebody just comes out and says Jesus was aloof, he wasn't the son of God, he was, he was just a madman, something like that, most of you would not listen to him. But you know what the devil likes to do? He adds, adds truth, and he adds a little bit of impurity to contaminate and, and to mess it up. That's what his goal is. He wants to mess it up. And he wants to mess it up for the lost. Why? So that they can't see the truth and get saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 states his goal is to blind the eyes of people so they can't see the light of the gospel and get saved. And so what we see here today is that some teaching about Jesus has been contaminated to keep people from getting saved. So number one is confusion. There's some confusion around it. Number two, contradiction. You have people saying if, uh, opposing things. Number three, contaminated. You know, some of the teaching has been contaminated. And then number four is the word contend. I want you to think about that word contend. Jude tells us that we need to contend for the faith. Did you catch that? We need to contend for the faith. Well, friends, you and I have to know it so we can contend for it and proclaim it and stand for it. We need to stand for the faith of Jesus Christ. 
Do we not? Yes. We need to contend for the faith. We need to know how to defend our faith and state the truth about Jesus Christ. After all, He is our Lord and Savior, is He not? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Now, that brings me down to Romans chapter 10. So those are four words. That's why we're doing this, because confusion, contradiction, contamination, and we need to contend, contend for the faith. Now, Romans chapter 10. Now, when you look at Romans chapter 10 here, I believe that here is the main reason to teach clearly about Jesus. The main reason we need to teach people about Jesus. Look at verse 1 now. Notice what he says. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, what was his desire, Paul's desire for his people, the nation of Israel? That they would be what? Saved, right? His desire for that he would be saved. In fact, he prayed for them that they would be saved. By the way, let me just throw this in right here. Did you notice that? He said, my desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Hey, folks, by the way, you and I need to pray for those that are lost that they'll get saved. You and I need to pray for those that are lost that they would get saved. Do you have a lost loved one? Let me encourage you to pray for them to get saved. Do you have a lost friend? Pray for them to get saved. Do you have a lost relative? Pray for them to get saved. I probably just said that under loved one. But, you know, sometimes loved ones are not relatives. You know, they're just somebody dear to you, you know. But think about it. Do you know somebody that's lost that needs to be saved? Pray for them. What about people in the city of Nashville? How many people are saved? What about people in Tennessee, the people in our country? Let's pray that God would save people. And you and I need to be praying for people, right? Pray that they would get saved. We need to pray for our political leaders. They'll get saved. Amen? Amen. I mean, think about it. We need to pray for that. Pray for that. And I'm talking about, let me explain, real Bible salvation. I don't want them just to get religion. I want them to get converted, you know, real Bible salvation. But Paul's desire was for them to be saved, and he prayed for them. Look at verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now think about that for a minute. He said his people have a zeal for God, but it's not based upon or rooted in knowledge. Now think about that. In other words, they were zealous for God, but it was not based in the right knowledge. You know, you could almost describe the Apostle Paul that way before he got saved. Think about it. Was Paul a, uh, a trying to zealously serve God? Yes, he was. But he wasn't doing it according to knowledge. He wasn't doing it according to the knowledge of the truth of Christ. In fact, he was trying to do what? He, you know what I just did? I stamped on the floor. He was trying to stamp Christianity out. And that's what he was trying to do. I mean, he thought he was doing the right thing in his religious system. But the problem was, he wasn't following the truth of Jesus Christ. And what did, what did, what did Jesus say in John chapter 4? They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in what? Truth. They must worship Him in spirit and in truth. By the way, the word knowledge there, where it says there that, but not according to knowledge, you know what that, that means? That means full or correct and vital knowledge. In other words, they didn't have the knowledge they needed to really follow the Lord. And folks, people today, they, some people don't have the knowledge to really follow Christ. They don't. Now, look at verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Now, now you're saying, what in the world does he mean right there? Well, let me just bring it up to where you and I live today. Let me bring it to us. People cannot come to Jesus without the right knowledge. Those folks didn't have the right knowledge. So they were going about to try it on their own, but they weren't getting there. 
because they didn't have the right knowledge. You know, there are some people today that go through the motions of religion. Do you know why? Because they don't have the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in order for a person to be saved, in order for a person to truly follow God, they need the right knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do they not? Yes, they do. They need the right knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, tonight, what are we going to do? We are going to come to Jesus tonight. We're going to look at Jesus Christ tonight. Now, I want you to think with me tonight. I thought about what's the best way to do this. I want to emphasize the life and Jesus coming to earth and things like that, but I want to give you seven key truths about Jesus Christ. Seven key truths about Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott. You've already given us four words, and then you brought us to the Scriptures. Now you're going to give us seven? Uh, yes, if you've been around our church any length of time, you know I do this all the time. People tease me about how many subpoints I have and things like that. But I'm going to give you seven key truths about Jesus Christ tonight. You say, man, we're going to be here forever. No, you're not. These are going to be very quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. I'm going to give them to you, say one or two things, give you the Scripture. Seven key truths about Jesus Christ. The first one will be the biggest, like I did last week. Number one, seven key truths about Jesus Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, I brought this out last time. I brought this out in detail last time. Now, what do we mean when we talk about the deity of Jesus Christ? Very simply, we mean Jesus is God. Folks, and I want to—I say this up front to remind you that Jesus is God. But at the same time, I, I want you to also understand that He is the Son of God. Did you catch that? He is the Son of God. If you read over in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 there, where Mary was visited by the angel, it says, And He shall be great, He shall be called the Son of the Highest. Did you catch that? The Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David. He's going to be the Son of the Highest. And then you come down to verse 35, and it says, The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the what? Son of God. You know, you go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 at the baptism, he talks about the Son of God. You go to John, cha I mean, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, where he talks about the um, transfiguration. He said, This is my beloved Son. You know, what you have here is at the same time, Jesus is God, but he's also the Son of God. How? We have a triune Godhead. We use the word Trinity. Trinity. Jesus was God the Son. See, we have one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They are one, but they are all God, and they are all distinct. It, and so Jesus is the Son of God, and at the same time, God. And In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophecy about the coming of Jesus, he calls him the mighty God. Did you get that? The mighty God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And then Titus 2.13, talking about the return of Christ. He said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I love it. Jesus is God. So we see there the deity of Jesus Christ. Yes, He is the Son of God. He's also God. And so how is that possible? By the Trinity, a triune Godhead. One God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that's number one. The second truth I want to give you tonight, the second truth I want to give you is this, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ. You go over to Matthew chapter 1. We don't have time to do it tonight, but Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. 
you have, how, you have there a declaration of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, a declaration of it. You come down through the genealogy there, and you, uh, in Matthew chapter 1, I know a lot of people I don't like to read genealogies. They look at them, but let me encourage you to go read that genealogy. There are some people in that genealogy that if it were me and you, you and I wouldn't want in our family history, right? Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, everybody around here is just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. But uh, there are some people, there are some shady characters there. But you know what? That's called grace, folks. That's called grace. But you come down to verse 16, and it says, this one begat that one, this one begat that one, this one begat that one. But when you come to verse 16, there's a change. And he talks about Mary and Joseph, the husband of Mary. Why? Because Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus Christ. You come down to verses 18 through 25. He talks about the virgin birth, how the Holy Spirit somehow supernaturally gave Mary a baby. Talked about how they didn't have a relationship like a normal husband and wife until after Jesus was born. It goes into great detail to describe the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. You go to Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. Mary asks the question, I'm going to have a baby? How in the world? I've never been with a man. And then the Holy Spirit, and then the angel said, The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. It's going to be miraculous, Mary. You go to Isaiah 7:14, the, the, um, the Old Testament uh, prediction of Jesus' birth says, A virgin, a virgin. My friend, one of the key truths of Christianity is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The virgin birth. So that is a key truth of Christianity. So number two, the virgin birth. Number three, so number one, the deity of Christ. Number two, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Number three, the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. My friends, what you and I need to understand is while Jesus was on this earth, he did no sin. He did not sin like you and I sin. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.15 that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Boy, wouldn't that be nice for us to be able to do? But Jesus did it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 and 22 it basically says in verse 22, who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. How many of us have mouth problems? Huh? Boy, by the way, where you're sitting, nobody will hear you. You can say amen, brother Scott. I agree with you. I do. You can, you can agree with that, right? Jesus didn't have that. How many of us sin with our mouth? Jesus didn't sin with his mouth. First Peter 3, 18, causing the just, dying for the unjust. You know, think about it. He did not sin. By the way, that is a key to our salvation. If Jesus sinned, you and I couldn't be saved. Think about it. See, Jesus is the Lamb of God without spot. So the sinlessness of Christ. The Bible teaches that Jesus was sinless. So number one, the Bible teaches the deity of Christ. Number two, the Bible teaches the virgin birth of Christ. Number three, the Bible teaches the sinlessness of Christ. Number four, the Bible teaches the miracles of Christ. I know I just changed it a little bit and said the Bible teaches, but what I want you to see is based in the Bible is what we know about Jesus. Now, the Bible teaches the miracles of Christ. While Jesus was on earth, he performed many miracles. Now, you say, why do you bring that up, though, Scott? Because there's a group running around today saying that what they're doing is they read through the New Testament and they say, well, did Jesus really do that miracle or not? And they say, no, we don't believe in miracles, therefore he didn't do it. Folks, don't believe them. They don't know what they're talking about, okay? Jesus performed a lot of miracles while he was on earth. Let me encourage you to read through the Gospels. You know what you'll find? You'll find all kinds of things that Jesus did. His miracles came in all sizes, shapes, and colors. He walked on the water. He calmed the storms. He fed 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fishes. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He caused the blind to see. 
Think about it. You know, all these miracles that Jesus did. You know, think about what it was like when he said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus come popping out of that grave. Huh? Think about what that was like. You know, but when you read it, you see the miracles that Jesus did. The Bible teaches the miracles, actual miracles that Jesus did while I was on earth. One of my favorite is found in Mark chapter 2, where the guys or the friends took the, their friend up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, put him down in front of Jesus. I love that, you know? Why? Because here are four people trying to do their best to get somebody to Jesus so he could help them. And that's what you and I need to be doing. So we see the miracles of Jesus Christ, the miracles. So we have, number one, the deity, number two, the virgin birth, number three, the sinlessness, number four, the miracles, number five, the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus did die on the cross of Calvary. Now, I know above my head, we have a cute little cross up here, do we not? It's made out of oak, and it's been uh, sanded real nice and stained real nice and probably some coating on it real nice and things like that. And you know, and it's really nice looking and things like that. Let me tell you something. Jesus died on a, on probably a cross that looked more like a T. It was probably hewn out a rough stone. And let me tell you something. It just wasn't a pretty instrument, to, uh, a pretty little neck charm. That's not what it was. You know what? It was an instrument of cruelty. It was an instrument of capital punishment. They wanted their prisoners to suffer. And they put Jesus on that cross, and he died on that cross for you and I. Two things about that death. His death was sacrificial. My friends, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. He gave his life for you and I. Think about that. He gave his life. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, and a man laid down his life for his friends. He gave his life. Ephesians 5.25, he gave his life for the church. You know, John chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18, he said, nobody takes it from me. I lay it down on myself. Jesus told him in the garden, he said, I can presently call 72,000 angels to deliver me. No, he sacrificed himself. But then not only was his death sacrificial, his death was substitutionary. Now you say, what do you mean by that? Well, 1 Peter 3 and verse 18 states he was dying the just for the unjust. In Matthew chapter 28, I mean 20 and verse 28, he says he came to give his life a ransom for many. You know what Jesus did? You and I stood condemned. You and I as sinners stand condemned before God. You say, wait a minute, I thought we were going to have to be judged one of these days, and then God will make the decision. No, 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 no. It's not the way it works. You and I are sinners. It's already been decided. We are condemned. That's it. Sinners are condemned. But Jesus went to the cross to take our place. And when you get saved, guess what? You get a pardon to where you're no longer condemned. My friend, if you've never been saved, you know where you stand tonight? You stand condemned. You don't have to go stand before God to be in judgment, to be condemned, to be judged, to be condemned. Why? Because the Bible tells us that right now, you die tonight, there'll be no more judgment. There won't be a judgment for you right after you die. You'll go straight to hell if you don't know Jesus. That's the way it works. You say, Brother Scott, that's horrible. Luke 16, read it. The rich man died and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. It wasn't go get judged. No, you know what's going to happen? One of these days he will get judged. It's only to give him his punishment in the lake of fire for eternity. Revelation chapter 20. My friends, but Jesus died on that cross to be our substitute. What great news. The good news of the gospel. God loved you and I so much, he sent Jesus to the cross to die in our place. And thank God when you look to him for salvation and faith, he will save you, my friend. He'll save you. That brings me to the sixth one tonight. 
So number, number one, the deity of Christ. Number two, the virgin birth of Christ. Number three, we have the sinlessness of Christ. Number four, the, mir- the miracles of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible presents the death of Jesus Christ as sacrificial and substitutionary. Then we had the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, you look at the Bible, and all four Gospels give you the resurrection. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. All of them, resurrection account. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, Jesus rose to prove who he was. 1 Corinthians 15, you have there about our resurrection and how Jesus rose from the dead. My friend, the resurrection of Christ there. I know some people say, well, I don't know if I believe in the resurrection of Christ. Well, read what the Bible says and look at the evidence that's there. The empty tomb, the eyewitness account, the change in the disciples, the change in the day of worship from Sunday, I mean from Saturday to Sunday. Let's be honest, these were Jews steeped in and an Old Testament tradition of serving, worshiping God on Saturday, and now they're going to start meeting on Sunday? Wow, something had to happen. You know what it was? A resurrection. I mean, you look at, somebody said, well, the, you know, the, the enemies of Christ had the body. All they had to do was produce it. They wanted to stop it. They wanted to stop the spread of Christianity. All they had to do was produce the body, but they couldn't. You know why? They didn't have a corpse. He was up walking around, showing himself. Then 40 days later, he ascended back to the Heavenly Father, and that's the last one tonight. The ascension of Jesus Christ. The ascension of Jesus Christ to the Father's right hand. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, the disciples watched Jesus ascend. And then angels appeared. Luke 24, 51 tells us they watched Jesus appear. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, and verse 25, that He's now at the right hand where He liveth to make intercession for us. Why did I bring out the intercession? I mean the ascension. Because I want you to understand tonight, Jesus is alive tonight. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. That's why I bring it out. That's why I brought it out. He just didn't live the rest of his life and then die again. No, Jesus ascended back to God where he's now at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for the child of God. And he's there right now. Now, again, why is this so important? I gave you seven things about Jesus tonight. Why is it so important we know who Jesus is? Why is it so important? Well, I want you to read some more in Romans chapter 10, if you would, please. Look down at verse 9. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Notice what he says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart. You see that word believe? Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not, what, heard? I want you to hear the truth about Jesus. He was God in the flesh on this earth. He came to this earth born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. While he was on earth, he performed many miracles to prove who he was. Then he went and died on the cross of Calvary, a sacrificial death as your substitute and mine. Then three on the third day, the Bible tells us, he rose from the dead. And then 40 days later, he ascended back to the Heavenly Father where he lives right now to make intercession for us. And my friends, if you and I are willing to believe on him, repenting of our sin and by faith accepting him as our Savior, he will save you. Now, That brings me a question to the Christian. How are the lost going to know about Jesus unless we share the truth of Christ with them? I left off in verse 14, but it says there, 
In verse 14, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Preacher! And how shall they preach except they be sent? You know, but at the same time, it's every Christian's job to share the gospel. Every Christian's job to proclaim Jesus Christ. Yes, it's my job to proclaim Christ. And I'm trying to do that tonight by way of the live stream on Facebook, the podcast, the CDs. Hopefully, down the road, we can expand this. But then also in person one day. We're open now, but our goal is to get the gospel out, my friends, to keep telling people about Jesus. But folks, this is the truth of Jesus as the Bible presents it. Seven key truths tonight. I hope tonight you know who Jesus is. My friend, do you know Him as your Savior? If not, why not tonight make, make Him your Savior? You can, right where you're at. Do you believe what I told you tonight? Has there been a time when the Holy Spirit of God showed you your need of Jesus Christ, that you needed Jesus as your Savior? My friend, you cannot save yourself. You cannot do it. But my friend, Jesus will save you. If you'll in faith look to Him. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, verse 13. Whosoever, that's you. And if you're willing right now to say, Lord, I believe, and the best I know how, I accept you by faith. You know what? He'll save you. Child of God, let's share these truths with the lost. Let's contend for the faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, we just pray that tonight the Holy Spirit would work, challenge our hearts, teach us what we need to know about Jesus. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, if you've been listening today and you heard Brother Scott's invitation and decided to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, first of all, let me say, welcome. To the family of God. It is truly a joy in our hearts. And if you have done so, I pray that you go to our website, WhitneyMemorial.com, and just send us a quick email and just let us know about your decision. We do that not only so we can celebrate with you, but also so we can pray for you. This is an incredibly important step in your life, and there's nothing better than an entire church praying for you. If you heard the invitation tonight and still aren't sure, but you feel something tugging at your heartstrings, let me encourage you to also go to our website and click on the resources that Brother Scott was talking about, God's Bridge. That is a short, sweet, simple, concise plan of salvation for you, and I pray that it will really touch your heart and that you keep an open mind with that today. Let me take just a moment and let you know some information about how you can find us and follow us and get to know us a little better. We are very blessed to have a full podcast as well as a full live streaming ministry. If you would like to see us live, I encourage you to check out our Facebook page by going to facebook.com forward slash WMBC615. Hit that follow and like button. And while you're there, you can watch all of our old sermons and send us a message to say hello. You will also get notifications anytime we post new content or go live, which we do for every single sermon. You can also listen live on podbean.com. Just search for the WMBC 615 podcast in the search bar. Again, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. They also have a Apple and Android app as well. Just subscribe, and anytime we go live, you'll know about it. You can also catch the WMBC 615 podcast on all of the major podcast platforms. 
such as CastBox, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as all other major podcast platforms. If you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website and clicking on the Give buttons at the top or bottom of the page. We also like to say that there is no minimum amount on what you can give. We are very, very thankful for every dollar, as all donations only go to further our ministry and outreach opportunities. And we want you to give as you're able, not as you have to. Until next time, my name is Daniel, and on behalf of our pastor, Scott, and our entire church family, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening. This has been a broadcast from Whitley Memorial Baptist Church.